0: Hello and welcome to Inspire 20, a podcast series sponsored by Micro Focus, designed to showcase executives around the world making a difference in inclusion and diversity, either in their own organisations, communities or more broadly in the industry. Anna Mock is president and chairman of Ascend Leadership, a non-profit Pan-Asian organisation for business professionals in North America. Pan-Asians are high contributors to US and global businesses, and given that their population is expected to triple to 40 million in the next 40 years, it's probably fair to say that Ascend is an organisation whose time has come. In this interview, Anna reveals more about who Ascend are, what they do and why they're needed, Plus, why COVID-19 has had a particularly negative impact on the Pan-Asian community and how the model minority myth is proving to be damaging to Pan-Asians in the tech industry. Anna, thank you so much for joining me on the Inspire 20 podcast.
1: Thank you, Ben, for inviting me.
0: First of all, um, tell me a bit about your background and how that's influenced who you are today.
1: Uh, well, I've had an interesting journey to, in the United States. I'm based in Silicon Valley. My family immigrated here to the San Francisco Bay Area when I was six months old. So I grew up in the U.S., but still have very strong family ties to Asia via my parents. Um, and I've built my career largely here in Silicon Valley, but have um done a lot of work all over the world, especially in Asia and in Europe. And
0: I guess this ties into why you started Ascend. Can you give me a few more details about the organisation?
1: Ascend is an organisation that I co-founded 15 years ago, and it is now the largest network of pan-Asian business professionals in North America. We have chapters in US and Canada, So there's actually demand to start chapters all over the world, and we're what we call a career lifecycle organization. So our membership and networks include uh, Ascend Pinnacle, which is a network of corporate directors, all the way to people just uh, at universities trying to get their first job. And our mission is to help Pan-Asian professionals reach their full career potentials. So they can have bigger impact both in the workplace and in society at large. So what prompted me to start this with a few others is even, you know, 15 years ago when we were looking at the workforce, we were seeing a lot of Asian, um, Asian Americans and Canadian Asians that were in the corporate workplace but they were more maybe stuck in the middle is the word I would say, right? Lots of people going into different professions, different industries, but not as many when you look at who was in the corporate executive suites, who were on corporate boards. So we felt that it was really important to create this network of professionals that can support each other in our advancement, but also do greater good in society and in the workplace.
0: And how successful would you say you've been so far?
1: Uh, I think we've been very successful. You know, it's hard when you're trying to build an organization that covers maybe around 50 years of a person's life cycle, a career life Mm. cycle, right? All the way from when they graduate from college to when they retire. And over the course of the last decade and a half, we've been able to build out networks of different career levels and also get a lot of market recognition. And our work not only includes creating network and learning and development opportunities for pan asians we've also done a lot of work on thought leadership so we've put out uh, research pieces that really clarify and educate right each of us on what's really the facts around asian american advancement and other workplace issues and also this last year um, in response to COVID and everything that was happening, we've done extra work on uh, a few dimensions. One, we've expanded some of our more charitable work. So, for example, we had a Feed Your Hospital program where we really mobilized our membership to fundraise to buy PPEs um, and uh, support hospitals that were short of PPEs and also support small businesses. While small businesses weren't a traditional part of our mandate, there were a lot of small businesses, especially minority-owned small businesses, that were severely impacted by COVID-19.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to know, how would you say COVID-19 has impacted on Asian communities in particular?
1: I would say it's had a very negative impact in a few ways. One, um, if you're in the US, it's clear, uh, and I don't want to get political, but you know, calling the virus the China virus and having maybe the public perceive that uh, the virus was created or started in Asia has had a very negative impact that's led to uh, different acts of discrimination and hate crimes against um, Asian Americans in particular. And that hasn't helped. Uh, when we look at businesses, there's a big amount, a large amount of small businesses that are actually minority owned, but actually Asian owned, or uh, owned by people of Asian descent. And given the significant impact of COVID-19 on small businesses, you can see that there's been huge impact, right, on on businesses, not just um, uh, not just the people, so on the livelihood of Asian Americans. And then thirdly, uh, you know, in this backdrop of what we see, uh, there's a continued rise of um, what's called microaggressions, right? And uh, in the workplace, in general, I think there's a rise of microaggressions in the workplace against people of color. But in particular, there's been a rise of that uh, against people of Asian descent
0: Now, Anna, I've learned a lot whilst being involved in this podcast series. And I must admit, much to my embarrassment, this next concept is something that's new to me. It's uh, the model minority myth. Could you explain a bit more about it, what it is and why it matters?
1: It's very specific as a stereotype towards Asian-Americans. And it is that basically Asian-Americans are very successful. Of all the minorities and people of color, Asian Americans stand out as the model minority and don't have some of the issues that perhaps other communities of colors have in the workplace. And so, while on the surface, you may say, wow, that's great, right? Isn't that all true? It's still a stereotype. And the challenge with the model minority stereotype is, in some ways, it, it actually creates a burden on the community in the sense that. What it doesn't show is the community is very large and diverse in itself, right? it It pits Asians against the other racial groups because then someone can say, "Well, if the Asians can do it, why can't the other groups do better?" And it's actually inconsistent with the facts. For example, while Asian Americans may be doing on the surface, well, if you look at what's really happening in some of the research, it's actually not doing as well as people perceive.
0: Is this particularly the case in tech at all?
1: There's even more of that because in tech, what you see in some tech companies, the workforce, right, especially in certain markets, may be in the 30, 40% range. So when you see so much hiring in tech and when you see the workforce as well, Asians make up such a such a big part of the workforce, Asians are doing very well. But I will say in the research, you will see that company after company, if you look at are Asians advancing, right, at a weight that is commensurable with maybe their white counterparts, the answer would be no.
0: What then would you say organizations have to do to attract, retain and uh, develop a diversity of talent, particularly Asian talent, I guess?
1: What we see consistently around what's happening to um, different um, communities or minority communities or LGBTQ communities and even women, even for women still today, is that um, they're not part of these inner circles, right? They're not getting the full mentorship and sponsorship once people are hired into the companies. They're not getting the same access to assignments and deployments because so much of our decisioning in companies, again, no matter how quantitative processes we have, it's still tied to people's perceptions. It's tied to whether someone believes they can trust you and work with you and are comfortable with you. So I think the first thing companies need to really look into is embedded in their processes? Are they enabling people to really have a better understanding of each other? And then really look at how they can optimize helping the person um, thrive and put, putting them in assignments that allow people to grow.
0: That was Anna Mock, president and chairman of Ascend Leadership, a nonprofit pan-Asian organization for business professionals in North America. Do look out for more episodes in the Inspire 20 series. The best way to do so is by subscribing to the channel on whatever podcast platform you use. Thanks for listening and goodbye.